0: So Nick, I know that you're getting off of OB, and I'm actually going back onto OB nights. Um, so I'm going to be using my OBG Project subscription to look at the second trimester ultrasound atlas again to make sure that uh, I know what I'm doing when I'm ultrasounding.
1: That's right, Faye. After coming off that last rotation, it was really nice to pull my phone out of my pocket, take a look at the OBG second trimester ultrasound atlas, and really like get a sense of what was going on, what looked normal, what looked abnormal, and... St- have a good bit of confidence so that I knew what I was doing with an ultrasound probe.
0: If you want to also have access to the Second Trimester Ultrasound Atlas like Nick and I, you can go onto our website, click on the link to the OBG project. If you're a fourth year resident, you can have a free one year subscription, which allows you to get updates every day through your email of new studies, uh, as well as practice guidelines, and also access to your very own library where you can keep the readings that you're interested in.
1: Head on over to our website, CreeAggsOverCoffee.com. Check out the sidebar and see how you can get obg first for absolutely free as a chief resident or find out more about the obg project
0: all right guys welcome back this is Faye. this is nick and this is kriag over coffee. coffee Today we'll be talking about the very important topic of vulvar itching because I feel like this is a complaint that I get a lot in the office. So, Nick, uh, what are our learning objectives for today?
1: So we'll start off by discussing the conditions that can cause vulvovaginal itching. We're then going to talk about how to work up the complaint of itching. As you said, this is something that's very, very common. Um, And then we'll also discuss management of different causes of vulvar itching. One kind of reference book that we had... In preparing for this talk, as well as something that you all might find very helpful, is the V book by Dr. Elizabeth Stewart. Um, so, if you're out there, Dr. Stewart, thank you.
0: All right. So, Nick, let's say you have a very common scenario in your clinic. Um, so, basically, you walk into your patient's room, and she says, "Hey, Dr. Burns, my private area itches. What do you do?"
1: First, we'll have to talk a little bit more about everything regarding that. And we'll kind of talk about, you know, you want to get history, acuteness, and all of that stuff. But you guys know that already out there that we're going to talk history all the time. So let's just jump straight into the different conditions that cause vulval vaginal itching. And we'll start off with benign things. So the most Common culprits are vaginitis, right? So the usual culprit is candida vaginitis or a yeast infection. Um, and from your creogs, from your you know, case files book when you were a third-year med student and all of that, we all know that this is clumpy white vaginal discharge. Candida albicans will look like pseudohyphae on a wet mount. Um, but there are other types of candida, actually, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. There are other types of infections that don't usually cause itching, but you could consider things like bacterial vaginosis, gonorrhea and chlamydia, trichomoniasis. Another possible condition is something called disquamative inflammatory vaginitis, and this is a condition that's more likely to be associated with large, large amounts of discharge and vaginal itching. And it's kind of a last on our differential diagnosis in the form of vaginitis is atrophic vaginitis, which is probably the most common thing in postmenopausal women.
0: The other things that are benign that could cause itching are things like lichen planus, which is something that can involve other areas of the the body as well. Lichen planus appears as red or purplish raised rashes that can be hypertrophic or ulcerative. um, And it can actually lead to something called lichen simplex chronicus, which is basically an area of thickened skin that has been caused uh, due to repeated rubbing and scratching. We can also have things like dermatitis, um, so not just things that occur on the vulva or vagina, but you can think about things like eczema. People who have eczema in other places could also have it um, on their vulva, and this usually appears as itchy red rash, and it's usually on the flexor surfaces that you could see on their arms and legs. Other things are things like contact dermatitis, so being exposed to something that they are allergic to, or even psoriasis, which appear as red plaques that have silvery scales on top. Nick, what are some worrying things that could cause um, vulvovaginal vaginal itching?
1: Yeah, so one that's probably more common that we think about is something called lichen sclerosis. Um, so unlike lichen planus, lichen sclerosis is a chronic progressive inflammatory mucocutaneous disease of the vulva that occurs in women of all ages but has a bimodal primary distribution that, again, the incidence peaks in prepubertal years and in menopausal years. Um, the classic description of lichen sclerosis is thin parchment paper-like or cigarette paper skin that is white with destruction of the architecture of the skin. The reason that this particular skin condition is particularly worrisome is that it can house neoplasia, um, and also it can cause narrowing of the introitus um, that can also be painful as well. And then kind of along those same lines, the sort of other thing that we can think about is vulvar intraepithelial neoplasia, or VIN, um, which is a precancerous lesion, and also could potentially be housing vulvar cancer. Um, So we want to make sure that, again, we look for things like that. Faye, let's move actually into those malignant categories now.
0: Two things that you should definitely be worried about if you have someone who comes to you with vulvar itching and you're doing an exam and you see this. One is extramammary Paget's disease, which has an eczematous appearance with slightly raised edges and a red background. This is a very rare malignancy that originates in the vulvar apocrine gland-bearing skin cells. And the last thing is vulvar cancer, which is usually squamous cell carcinoma. All right, Nick, so we've kind of talked about a lot of the things that can cause vulvovaginal itching. So, you know, if you were to tell all of these things to your patient, it would probably not be very helpful. So instead, how are you going to work her up?
1: Yeah. So let's start again back where we mentioned before, the history and physical. We're going to do an obvious complete history and physical, but something that can help us sort of narrow down our focus on this particular complaint is just focusing on how long has the itching been going on? What have you done so far for the itching? Has anything helped or made it worse? Um, Where is the itching exactly? No Itching that's actually inside the introitus versus around the introitus or the vulva can also point you in different directions. One of the more common things, particularly for younger women, is to discuss a vulvar hygiene history. So, what are you using around the vulva? Are you using any products? Are you shaving? Are you waxing? Um, Any other depilatory practices um, that can cause sort of an irritation in the area? And then you also want to get either a menstrual history or a menopausal history as well to know kind of what your differential might need to expand into. Faye, if we move on to the physical exam, what are we looking for?
0: You know, we want to do a full physical exam, but some things to point out here is before you even look in that area, you want to do a quick skin exam. Look in other areas that are common for patients to have rashes that are due to eczema or psoriasis or things like that. So, for example, do they have eczema? Do you see it on their flexor surfaces, on the inner uh, side of their elbow? Do they have psoriasis? Um, Because that could very well also be on the vulva. We then want to do a physical exam where we actually look at the skin um, on the outside. So looking at the patient's inner thighs, on the mons, um, on the actual vulva itself before putting in a speculum to take a look. Look at the labia majoria. Is there a color to the rash? Um, is there itchiness that they can point to? Is it located specifically just at one region or is it a more global process in the whole area? Then go from the top down. Is the clitoris and the clitoral hood intact? Has there been destruction of architecture that you can see? What about the labia minora? Has that been ablated? That could be a sign of vaginal atrophy. Is the skin thin with whitening? Um, Then you would think maybe lichen sclerosis. Or is the skin very thickened? Um, And that would cause you to think about something like lichen simplex chronicus. Look at the size of the vaginal opening. Is that normal? Is there any type of discharge or redness or raised bumpy areas? And of course, don't forget to look around the anus because that area can also have uh, the same uh, process involved. And finally, then move on to your speculum exam. Look for any discharge or any evidence of atrophy. Look at your cervix. um, See if there's any evidence of cervicitis as well. So now that we've done all that nick let's move on to the next step which is going to be our wet mount what are you looking for there
1: yeah so the wet mount i think is one of these classic gynecologic exams that's even though it's something that we all learn can easily be messed up right so there's a bunch of things that you need to look at first is doing a nitrazine test to look at the vaginal ph Um, Remember that the vagina should be acidic, ideally a pH less than 4.5. So a basic pH can suggest a bacterial infection, a decrease in the natural bacteria of the vagina that are primarily lactobacillus that, by their name, Sounds like they produce lactic acid. Um, Atrophic vaginitis can also have a basic pH as well. Um, So that's another consideration when you do have a basic pH. Moving from there, you can also do a whiff test. Um, The application of potassium hydroxide to a microscope slide with a a amine smell or a fishy smell can suggest bacterial vaginosis. Um, And so that's another common diagnostic test that you can use. The money in the wet mount, though, is in microscopy. Um, And you're going to, again, take a vaginal smear and suspend that in saline to take a look at the cells and other things that may be present. So first we'll take a look at the squamous cells. You want to look for large, squarish cells with small nucleus or seemingly no nucleus. This is really normal um, for squamous cells of the vagina and that's what you want to see plentiful amount of if you see a bunch of parabasal cells and these are small round cells with prominent nuclei um, again you're suggesting that really there's not a large squamous layer at all so this may suggest atrophic vaginitis Um, on the other hand if you see sheets of squamous cells along with a bunch of parabasal cells now we're thinking more of that disquamative inflammatory vaginitis that we spoke about earlier Um, moving beyond the squamous cells and the parabasal cells though you can think about yeast Um, again candida albicans has that characteristic pseudohyphae or spaghetti and meatballs type of look Um, however other types of yeast may not have this appearance Um, and we'll talk again a little bit more about yeast later on Clue cells are another common finding, so if you see those those squamous cells on there, but they seem to have like stippled borders that are sort of fuzzy, that's a clue cell, um, and would be consideration for bacterial vaginosis as well. And then you can also see other stuff on the slide, too. Um, now, trichomoniasis is probably one of the more funky ones that you can see on a slide when you see little things squiggling around. Not very fun. It's kind of gross to see, I guess, when you see it, Um, but it's something that you'll never forget. Um, You can also see things like sperm on a microscope slide if you're seeing somebody in the emergency department. All right, Faye, moving beyond the wet mount though, what else can we do?
0: So you can think about doing labs and potential biopsies. These aren't really necessary if you can diagnose what's going on with your uh, wet prep and your skin exam. One type of lab that you can think about doing is a genital culture. For someone who has been diagnosed with yeast or BV multiple times in the past and have tried multiple treatments without resolution, you could think about maybe sending this for different types of bacterial infections inside the vagina. So um, a strange one that um, you may sometimes see in someone who's had multiple of antibiotics is actually group A strep vaginitis. Or you may also find resistant yeast, so candida albicans, that's resistant to diflucan, um, or other types of candida species like glabrata or lusitania that you may see. Um, And these may require different types of antifungals to treat. The last lab that you may consider is a patch test with an allergist. So this you can consider in someone who just can't figure out exactly what they're allergic to. They've tried to cut out everything that may be irritating to them. So they're, you know, wearing their cotton underwear, they're doing airtime, all of those things, and they're still having what appears to be a contact dermatitis rash. They may be allergic to something very specific and they may benefit from this type of testing. Last of all, if you have an area that you've been treating where – the area around it has gotten better, but there's a specific area that there's a rash or raised lesion or something like that that just hasn't gone away despite weeks of treatment, that's when you should think about biopsy because that's when you're concerned that this area may be cancerous. Also, if you have an area that you think is lichen sclerosis, you may also wanna biopsy that to have biopsy proven lichen sclerosis, but also because remember, lichen sclerosis can harbor cancer within it. All right, Nick, so let's talk about the last part which is management. What do you tell these people who come to you with vulvar itching?
1: Yeah, so again, we don't have Dr. Crichton here with us, but Dr. Rebecca Crichton is one of our mentors in our vulvar clinic at Brown um, and Women and Infants Hospital. And really Dr. Crichton's Sage advice always is if you wouldn't put it in your eye, don't put it on the vulva. Go as simple as possible. So the things that are good to suggest to patients are that they should wear cotton underwear during the day, no underwear at night. Um, You should switch to unscented detergents and soaps and use really only water on the vulva. Um, It's like a self-cleaning device, so you shouldn't have to use extra soap or detergent really to help clean the area. With respect to lubrication, coconut oil or other types of inert vegetable oils are a good choice. With intercourse, the suggestion for latex condoms and providing your own silicone lubricant um, is another important thing that has minimal additives to it. And then avoiding panty liners during the day and wearing them during only periods is also another important aspect to kind of simplify a hygiene routine and prevent any external irritation to the vulva that may contribute to itching. Faye, let's talk about a little bit of treatments, though, for specific conditions.
0: Yes, and one thing, too, to tell your patients is that if they're using coconut oil during the day, to not use that as lubrication if they're using latex condoms because the coconut oil will break down the latex condoms. So on to treating the condition. So If they have yeast or BV, treat them with the appropriate medications. If this is the first time that this has happened and it's their first yeast infection or their first um, bacterial vaginosis infection, treat them with the first line agents that you have at your hospital. For us, it would be Diflucan for the yeast versus Myconazole. Uh, cream inside the vagina, or for BV, metrogel cream or metronidazole by mouth. Then if you have sent a genital culture and they suggest that they may have some type of resistant uh, microorganism, treat with the appropriate antibiotic or antifungal then. For lichen planus, really the biggest thing is to stop the scratch. And so that means giving your patient hydroxyzine or Benadryl at night so that they won't scratch the area in their sleep. And if that's still not helping, you can consider corticosteroids as well. What about other forms of treatment, Nick, for things like lichen sclerosis?
1: Yeah, with lichen sclerosis can you want to use a high-potency steroid, so things like clobetasol, in order to treat this. If it's refractory to treatment with high-potency steroids over a period of weeks, you can consider rheumatology consultation and treatment with systemic immunosuppressants, which, again, we generally aren't prescribing an OBGYN, but touching base with rheumatology or dermatology for that. With malignancy or pre-malignancies, again, you're going to need excision for that. And so when appropriate, referring to oncology is the right move there.
0: All right, Nick, I think that brings us to the end of our vulvar itching episode. So let's go ahead and sum up.
1: All right. So we started off talking about the different conditions that can cause vulva vaginal itching, and we broke these down into benign, worrisome, and malignant. So for the benign things, we talked about vaginitis, the usual culprits like candida or BV, um, but other things, including gonorrhea chlamydia, trichomoniasis, um, disquamative inflammatory vaginitis that can be associated with large amounts of discharge, or atrophic vaginitis. What also falls into this benign category are things like lichen planus, again, that red, purplish, raised rash. That can be hypertrophic or ulcerative, as well as dermatitis, like atopic dermatitis or contact derm.
0: We talked about then worrisome and malignant things that can cause itching. The worrisome things are like lichen sclerosis, which is a chronic, progressive, um, autoimmune-inflammatory mucocutaneous disease of the vulva. We also talked about VIN, or vulvar intraepithelial neoplasia, as well as Paget's disease um, and vulvar cancer.
1: We then talked about the workup of vulvovaginal itch and the things you should be doing in order to make the diagnosis. So we always start off with the history and physical. With your history, again, you wanna focus on the characteristics of the irritation and how long What's been done for it? Where is it exactly? Um, Importantly for this as well are obtaining a vulvar hygiene history, what are the things or products that people are using around the vulva vaginal area, a menstrual or menopausal history as well. Um, with a physical exam, um, we want to start on the outside before going inside. So are really looking at the skin and even skin in other areas because this may suggest a more widespread dermatologic process if you're finding areas that are also irritated in other parts of the body. Um, but with a vulvar exam, again, going from the top down is a good systemic way to take a look to make, take a look at the architecture of the skin, look for rashes, look for the size of the vaginal opening, any ablation of the sort of normal architecture of the labia, um, and then looking for discharge redness um, or any perianal lesions as well. Then we move on to the speculum exam, looking for any discharge or evidence of atrophy, as well as getting a look at the cervix um, for other processes that may lead to vulva vaginal itching.
0: In terms of the wet mount, you want to look at things like the vaginal pH, you want to do a whiff test, and also look at the microscopy. The vaginal pH should be less than 4.5, and a more basic environment in the vagina would suggest some kind of bacterial infection, decrease in lactobacillus, or maybe even atrophic vaginitis. The whiff test when you challenge um, the discharge with KOH, if there is a fishy smell, this can also suggest BV. In terms of your microscopy, you want to look for squamous cells, what they look like. Are they large, square cells with small nuclei or do you see a bunch of parabasal cells? Um, Also do you see things like clue cells, which is your squamous cells that are dotted with bacteria and look like they have this stippled appearance. Finally, do you see pseudohyphae like your yeast or other things like trichomonads? This may also give you a clue as to what is causing your vulvar itching
1: also talk about sort of the more pathologic or laboratory types of findings that can be dealt with during an exam. Um, Again, don't always have to do these things if you can diagnose it with a skin exam. The things to consider can include genital cultures for resistant suspected infections, patch testing if there's allergy suspected, or biopsy if you're concerned that an area may be precancerous or cancerous.
0: Finally, in terms of sub-management, the biggest thing is vulvar hygiene. As Dr. Crichton says, if you wouldn't put it in your eye, don't put it on the vulva. Finally, you want to treat any condition that they may have. So if it's yeast or BV, treat with the appropriate medications. If it's like in planus, remember to get them to stop the scratch. And if it's like in sclerosis, consider a high-potency steroid like clobetasol that they would put on the area nightly for about two to three weeks and then taper down from that standpoint. If things are still refractory, then you may consider consultation by rheumatology and treatment with a systemic immunosuppressant. And finally, for malignancies, you may want to refer to oncology.
1: All right, guys. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee.
0: If you like this episode, go ahead and go on to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, any of your other podcatchers and give us a five-star rating and review.
1: Find us online on Twitter at CreugsOverCoff1, on Facebook at Coffee, on Instagram at CreugsOverCoffee, or if you're a super fan of the show and want some swag or a shout out, go on to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash coffee.
0: For show notes for this show and every other podcast episode, go ahead and go on to our website, www.creugsOverCoffee.com.
1: Finally, if you want to reach out to us with your own vulvar hygiene type of tips or tricks that we can share on the website, um, any concerns from this episode or previous episodes that you want us to make a correction to, or you just want to say hi, send us an email, criogsovercoffee at gmail.com.